Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are previewing the main slate for this Saturday's college football action. Week four of the college football season, and Saturday, September 24th is the date. We're going to be talking about the 12 p.m. Eastern Time slate that is available on DraftKings and FanDuel. And y'all, let me tell you, this isn't like the first three weeks of the season. We have a slate. We've got some seriously big games that are going to be fun to watch, fun to you know play players in daily fantasy for, and it's just shaping up to be a good Saturday. We've got uh, Bama Ole Miss. We've got Florida State Clemson. We've got Colorado Oregon. We've got Louisville Boston College. Okay, maybe not that last one, but still, it should be a great slate. So we're going to break down all the games here on this DraftKings slate and break down who should be in your lineups at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver position, as well as talk about some strategies for lineup building and roster construction here on this Saturday. So without further ado, let's go ahead and end the intro. Let's go ahead and get started by talking about the games you need to be targeting and getting guys into your lineups for this Saturday. And we've got some juicy ones. But first, let's go to a quick word from our friends at Spotify. It is worth noting that as we head here into week four, most conferences across the country are starting conference play this week. You, you know, you've seen some teams have, you know, kind of these one-off conference games in, in the first few weeks, but you're looking at widespread conference play this week, which means we're going to get less blowouts. We're going to get more games against even competition, and it's going to create better game environments and more predictable game environments for daily fantasy purposes. Now, this week, we do have a few shootouts, and we do have a few blowouts as well. Now, in terms of when I say the word shootout, I'm talking about a game that the spread is within one possession within within seven and a half points and the total is over 50 for the over under and we've got quite a few of them the, the slate kicks off at noon with a shootout in its own right florida state versus clemson florida state's two and a half point favorites heading into death valley the total is at 55 and a half so the projected score is about 29 to 27 fsu uh the game was 34 to 28 last year so that one shapes up to be one possession and should shape up to be one that you can definitely get guys into your lineup for now a Another shootout that is kind of flying under the radar, I don't think a whole lot of people have eyes on this game, is SMU at TCU, total at 63.5, which is a lot. The total is projected to be 35-29 to TCU, um, which could be another one. You know, both teams projected over 29 points. That one could be one where you you definitely want to get some guys in. And then you've got Ole Miss-Alabama with the projected score being Bama 31-24. to The score in the game last year was Alabama 30-24. to now, Alabama's a, kind of a difficult team to figure out so far. You know, we saw them kind of get beat up against Texas and then not look so hot against South Florida. Um, but I think Alabama this year, they don't have the same advantage on the offensive and defensive lines that they've had in years past. So I am not afraid to play a running back that's going against this Alabama team, especially on a run-oriented team like Ole Miss, because I don't think Alabama is going to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. Now, there is one more shootout that is one possession, and it is UCLA at Utah, projected to be 28-24 in favor of the U. Last year, this game was 42 to 32. This game's got quite the rotating cast of characters, though. We don't really know who's going to start at quarterback for Utah. We don't really know if UCLA is going to have their quarterback split snaps. We don't know what the snap share is going to look like for the UCLA running backs. So while that game environment could prove to be pretty good, it's really difficult to figure out who's going to be the guys who are going to take advantage of it. Now, we do have some lopsided games as well. Um, There is the Oklahoma-Cincinnati game, which I believe I scrolled too far to find. Um, Oklahoma with Cincinnati, Oklahoma's 14 and a half point favorites, projected to be Oklahoma victory 37 to 23. Then we've also got Kansas BYU, um, which is kind of a sleeper game. Kansas has this really run-oriented offense. They're 10 point favorites against BYU. Well, nine and a half point favorites against BYU. It's projected to be about 33 to 23 in favor of Kansas. And then you've got Boston College, Louisville, that is projected to be about Louisville. 
34 to 20 in that one. And then you've got the highest total on the slate, which is the game that a lot of people are talking about, which is Colorado at Oregon, Colorado, heading into Autzen Stadium in Eugene, trying to take on the Ducks. And this one has a 21-point spread in favor of Oregon. Total 70 and a half. So it's projected to be about 46 to 25 um, in favor of Oregon. Colorado, you know, while they're projected to lose by 21 points, they actually have the third highest total for any losing team on this slate. So that's still not a bad situation to target. I really think that Oregon's going to win this one. I think that Colorado really does have some athletes and have the skill players to compete with a team like Oregon. But I think that Oregon's line is just going to be better and they're going to wear them down on the line of scrimmage. So uh, I I do think the Ducks are going to walk away with that win. But If Colorado can turn that game into a shootout, it could be one that could be super profitable for DFS purposes. So let's go ahead and take a look at the DFS slate. And the quarterback position starts with the game we were just talking about. We've got Bo Nix and Shadur Sanders at the very top of the board. And look, I think they're both in play. Me personally, from what I've seen so far this season in DFS, my best lineups that I have had the most success with in GPP tournaments have been game stacks, where I have played the quarterback on one team and on the other team from the same game in the same lineup and just hope that that game goes nuclear. Now, I haven't really cashed a big GPP win yet, but that's been my best lineups. I haven't had a whole lot of success mixing and matching quarterbacks this year yet, even though I think that as we head into conference play, it's going to be more of a viable strategy because I think that you know, it's just more likely that some, some of these games are going to turn into shootouts. But I am absolutely a proponent of game stacking right now in DFS. And Bo Nix and Shadur Sanders is shaping up to be one of the best game stacks of the slate. Now, if you play these two, they're so expensive, you're going to have to find some value elsewhere into your lineups. But let's break down on why these two guys might be a good play. I am buying the dip on Bo Nix. This is actually a relatively low salary from what we've seen Bo Nix from last season and this season. And he just hasn't been as good and for fantasy purposes this year as he was last year. And if you're looking for a reason why, it's been because of the rushing. He does not have a rushing touchdown yet this year. In fact, he's only at 60 total rushing yards on the season. And last year, he had 14 total rushing touchdowns, so about one per game. So I kind of think that he's due for some positive regression in that regard. I think now that they're starting to see more legitimate, more you know on their level competition, you're going to see Bo Nix have to use his legs a little bit more and use those legs to get in the end zone a little bit. Now, it's also worth noting that the Colorado defense has been pretty vulnerable to fantasy quarterbacks. Against Colorado, Chandler Morris of TCU threw for 279 yards in week one, and then Fowler Nicolosi of Colorado State last week threw for 367 yards. So if Bo Nix is able to keep up that success on the air that the other two guys had, and I think he's a better quarterback than those two guys, and add in some success on the ground, Bo Nix could be in line for a huge day. Now, Shadur Sanders on the other side is likely going to be playing catch-up. Um, you know, because they're 21-point dogs, which means they're going to have to be throwing. But right now, Shadur Sanders is the king of volume. He's had over 40 pass attempts in each game he's played so far this season, and he's thrown for over 300 yards in each game this season. That's especially important on DraftKings when you get a bonus three fantasy points when your quarterback gets to 300 yards. Now, like I said, I do think that Colorado's line play is a little bit suspect in this game, which makes Shadur a little bit of a risky play because he could get sacked more. The reason why you see negative rushing yards on his game log is because Because in college football, sacks count for negative rushing yards. So if he does take a lot of sacks, maybe he gets banged up, gets beat up. That that could be the way that this goes sour. But I do think that this is an absolutely elite game stack play with these two. And I think there's enough value at the running back and wide receiver positions that you can find other plays. Now, another game stack situation that you might look to is the FSU Clemson game. We've got Jordan Travis as the third highest quarterback on the slate. Now, he is not a preferred play of mine. I, I do think the upside 
upside is there. He showed the upside with 41 fantasy points against LSU, but he just hasn't ran the ball as much as he was last season. You know, last season, it was not uncommon for him to get multiple rushing touchdowns in a game or get to double-digit rushing attempts in a game, and he just hasn't done that so far in 2023. So he's not one of my favorite plays for that reason. I think he needs to start running the ball more if he is to hit that salary. However, from a game stacking perspective, I kind of get it. I could see this game going absolutely nuclear. Clemson's defense does not look like the Clemson defense of years past. So I could see Jordan Travis hitting value that way if he does pick up the rushing. Again, not my favorite play, but there is upside. Kay Klubnik, I do like in a game stack as well. To me, he feels a little bit underpriced. Um, you know, he's got 28 fantasy points or more in each of his last two games. And against Duke, he had a lot of volume. He had 43 passing attempts, but I kind of think he got a little unlucky in the red zone. You know, he had some unfortunate red zone turnovers and just, you know, bad breaks that didn't go his way. And if he got a few more touchdowns in that game, we're probably feeling entirely different about, you know, the entire trajectory of Clemson's season. So I do think that K Klubnik is in play. It makes for a little bit of a cheaper game stack as opposed to the likes of Oregon and Colorado. Now, another game that we could stack both quarterbacks with is Ole Miss and Alabama. Jackson Dart is a guy that is worth monitoring. So last year, he was not like this great elite fantasy quarterback. He just wasn't. But this year, He's turned on the rushing, and he's become an elite fantasy quarterback for that reason. He's had 14 rushing attempts in each of the last two games, hitting over 100 yards last game and scoring two touchdowns on the ground. And Ole Miss is a run-oriented offense. It's not going to be super common for him to hit 300 yards through the air. But if he's rushing like this, he's going to have some upside, and he is going to be playable. I don't mind playing Jackson Dart in this game. Now, Jalen Milrow of Alabama is getting the nod as the starting quarterback. And I got to say, I kind of like that for DFS, right? Like, Milrow is a guy who uses his legs. He's, he's not afraid to run. He gives you a lot of upside for that reason. Now, he's not going to have a super whole lot of volume because that's just not what he's going to do. They're not going to drop back and let J1 Milrow throw the ball 50 times a game. But because of what he does with his legs, I definitely think he gives you a viable option as a game stack. You know, in the two games he started, he's gotten to 22 fantasy points or more. And I also think that if you're playing Jalen Milrow as a part of a stack, I would probably not stack him with a wide receiver for Alabama. I think the wide receivers for Alabama are a little overpriced. And I think with as much as Milrow uses his legs, he's not going to hit his fantasy ceiling by running the football. Now, another game that I do need to talk about in terms of a game stack is Oklahoma and Cincinnati. So Dylan Gabriel, to me personally, feels a little bit like fool's gold. Um, he has been an absolutely elite fantasy player to this point in the season. You know, over 25 fantasy points in each game, averaging 31 fantasy points per game. But he hasn't played a good defense yet. And you look at how he's doing his fantasy scoring, it's been very touchdown dependent. You know, four passing touchdowns against SMU, five passing touchdowns against Tulsa. I just think that, you know, if this Ole Miss, or not Ole Miss, if this Oklahoma offense starts running the ball in the red zone a little bit more or just doesn't have the same level of success as they up the competition in defense, then Dylan Gabriel's fantasy scoring is going to dry up. So he is not a preferred play of mine. However, if you're looking to game stack, you've got another cheap quarterback that's in this game, Emory Jones, who has shown the ceiling this year with a 50.4 fantasy point performance against Eastern Kentucky and then 29.7 fantasy points in a loss against Miami, Ohio. So Emory Jones does bring that upside, but I think this Oklahoma defense is not your not your father's, but like more like your older brother's Oklahoma defense. Like this is not the porous Oklahoma defense that just got shredded in the college football playoff five years ago. This is, you know, a Brent Venables defense that is improving. I, I don't think that, you know, 
Emory Jones and Cincinnati are just going to go right up and down the field on this Oklahoma defense. So this is not my preferred stack, but it is a game that could get there. Now, the last game stack that I do need to talk about is one that we mentioned from the top. It is SMU-TCU. Two significantly cheaper quarterbacks in this one in Chandler Morris and Preston Stone, and I don't mind it. TCU plays in an incredibly fast tempo with this Kendall Bryles offense, and you know they've gotten... Over 20, Chandler Morris has gotten over 26 fantasy points in each game. Uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. Dylan Gabriel also threw for four touchdowns against SMU, so there is you know precedent for quarterbacks being able to throw on this SMU defense. My only worry with Chandler Morris is that um, TCU does love to run the ball, so his touchdowns could get vultured by a running back. On the other side, Preston Stone is a guy that hasn't been like – super great so far like he was really good against an fcs opponent prairie view a&m but he was just kind of mediocre in his other two games but hey shadur sanders threw for 500 yards against this tcu defense so i'm gonna kind of keep playing guys going up against tcu and see if they fix this pass defense from week one now, there are a few one-offs that I am willing to play, not game stack. And all the quarterbacks that I just named, I'm fine playing them in or out of a game stack, if I'm being honest. But I just wanted to point out to you guys that game stacking with your quarterback and your super flex being a quarterback in the same game is a viable option that has been working so far this DFS season. But one quarterback that I would play in a one-off is going to be Tyler... I'm told it's pronounced Shuck, even though I don't know how you get Shuck out of how that's spelled. Tyler Shuck of Texas Tech has been really good so far. In the two games against FCS, or in the two games against FBS opponents that he's had, he's hit over 30 fantasy points in each of them. He's thrown for three touchdowns in both of them. And I really like that, you know, he's getting a West Virginia defense that's probably weaker than the two defenses he saw in Oregon and Wyoming. So I am buying Tyler Shuck with some big time production with this week. He's also a guy who's not afraid to use his legs with over 15 rushing attempts in two of the three games so far this season. So I am all in on Tyler Shuck having a big game against the West Virginia. Virginia Mountaineers. Now, there is one more quarterback that I'm willing to play as a one-off, and quite frankly, I think this could be a guy who could be a GPP winner, and that is Thomas Castellanos of the Boston College Eagles. You know, he took over the starting job in week one. I believe he came off the bench in that game, and then he started each of the last two games. He's hit at least 22 fantasy points in all three games so far, and at his salary of $5,900, like, if he just gets the 24, then that gives you four times value, which would be the same as, like, a Bo Nix getting to about four fantasy points. So the bar is much lower for Thomas Castellanos than it would be for a guy like Bo Nix at his salary. And what I like about Castellanos is he is a dual threat. In each of the last two games that he started, he's gotten to 16 rushing attempts and he's gotten to 60 rushing yards. So he gives you upside through the air on the ground and he put up 33 fantasy points against Florida State last week, which is a not too shabby defense. So I really do like Thomas Castellanos on this slate. I think he's a blatant misprice on DraftKings. I think he could really be a GPP winner if you're able to pair him with zero to maybe one receiver if you're able to get that right. Play Jamari Thrash at Louisville on the other side. More on that later. Uh, and then piece the rest of your lineup together from there. I think Thomas Castellanos, it would not shock me if he's a guy who is in the GPP winning lineup come Saturday afternoon. Now, I know we spent a lot of time on the quarterback position, but I got to be honest, y'all, in college football DFS, the quarterback position is where the game is won or lost. So that was my breakdown of all the quarterbacks here on this slate. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about some running backs. 
Now, before we get started on the running backs, if all that quarterback analysis was not enough for you, you want to know about some of the quarterbacks I didn't mention, or you want to know who actually makes my lineups, there is places where you can get more information from me. First off, you can hit me up on Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks. Actually, it's X now. i got to quit doing that. Um, I'll answer any questions. I also tweet out the rundown prior to every college football slate, and if there's any injury news or something that changes my mind, then I usually generally tweet about it before the slate starts. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube. We talk about every college football slate in there. It's a lot of guys who play a lot of DFS. We do pretty much every sport in there, and college football is one that we have some of the most and best discussion about. And if you want to read my full slate articles, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Uh, I do write a full article for every slate where I break down my favorite plays, how I think ownership's going to break down, situations to target, situations to monitor, stuff like that. Um, but I do not write for free. That is why it is on the Patreon. Very affordable, $3 a month if you want to read those articles. Now, also, if you want to try something new this college football season, maybe you want to try player props on Underdog, or maybe you want to you know, just straight up bet on some of these games. If you're trying any new site, head on over to my my site, signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We are partnering with Sign Up Expert, and they will give you the best offers and promo codes on any DFS player prop or sportsbook site that is available to your area. It will sync to your location and show you what is available. It's a super great resource if you're looking to try anything new. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about some running backs. So Blake Corm of Michigan is the top-priced running back on the slate. And to me, i got to be honest, I think he lacks the upside to be a great GPP play. I think he's a very solid cash game play in DFS. Um, you know, he's got a super high floor because of just how good at football Blake Corum is, but I don't really like him as a GPP play. I just don't see the way that he's going to hit his ceiling against this Rutgers defense. First off, Rutgers is going to be by far the best defense he's played. Second off, because he splits carries with Donovan Edwards, and this game is probably not going to be super close, I think you're going to see in the range of about 12 to 15 touches for Corum, and you're going to get probably in the realm of 90 to 100 yards from Corum, and he's not really used in the passing game a whole lot. So what you're looking at is if he's just getting 90 to 100 yards, you're really going to need him to get to 100 to get that three-point bonus, and you're also going to need him to score some touchdowns if you want him to really return his value at his high price tag, and, and I'm just not really seeing it. I, I think because of how safe of a play he is, I think he's a good cash game play, but I don't think he has the GPP upside that I would like to see for a guy with that price tag. And honestly, I kind of feel the same way about Roman Hemby. Michigan State is going to be the best defense he has played all year long, and he's another guy that, you know, he's going to get probably 15 to 20 touches, and he's going to need to find the end zone probably two or three times if you want him to hit value. I don't see him having, you know, kind of the big massive game that he had against Charlotte here again against the Spartans in week four. Now, a guy that I am willing to play, though, and I'm hoping that the ownership will be down, is Quinshawn Judkins. Because what generally happens is when people see, you know, guys going up against Alabama, they generally don't play them. <laughs> you know, because I always say when it comes to DFS, especially in college football, if you don't have to play somebody going up against a good defense don't. But right now, I'm not sure that this Alabama defense is a good defense. Last year, Ole Miss kind of bullied Alabama on the line of scrimmage. Judkins ran for 135 yards and two touchdowns against Alabama, and that was splitting carries with Zach Evans while doing so. So I really do like Judkins' matchup here against Bama, and I think that if he is fully healthy, he's a really solid play. Last week was a weird week for Judkins. He came into the week as doubtful, and pretty much all indications were that he was not going to play against Georgia Tech. And then he ended up up suiting up and starting and saw 13 carries for 37 yards and scored a touchdown. So it was a really weird week for him, but you got to think that they used last week to make him fully healthy for this big time matchup against Alabama. And if he's good to go, I don't mind rolling him out here in this one. 
Now, Bucky Irving, to me, is a great leverage play. What I mean by that is if you're not playing Bo Nix, it's really smart to play Bucky Irving because if Bo Nix does not get to his total, it's probably going to be because Bucky Irving is the one scoring the touchdowns, which is what we saw in weeks one and two against Portland State and against Texas Tech. Plus, I really do think that Oregon's going to be able to run on this Colorado team. Like I said, I think Oregon is going to dominate the line of scrimmage in this game. So if you're not playing Bo Nix, I think Bucky Irving makes sense as a great leverage play. Colorado earlier in the season gave up 164 yards to TCU running back Amani Bailey. Now, another name to keep an eye on for me is Jawar Jordan of Louisville. He is a home run hitter who already has two runs of 70 plus yards this season and he's almost topped 100 yards in all three games. His low this season was 96 and he only needed seven carries to do that. So you're looking at a guy who has big playability every time he touches the ball. I think this is a sneaky good game to play guys from and so why not go with a guy that you know is a home run threat every time he touches it. Another guy that I like is Amani Bailey. We mentioned that TCU loves to run the football. Well, Bailey is their guy. He's seen over 19 carries in each of the last two weeks. He's scored over 19 fantasy points in two of the three games so far this season. At his salary of only 6,400, I really think Bailey is a solid play if you want to get some exposure to that SMU-TCU game without playing the quarterbacks. Now, another guy that I like a lot this week is Rasheen Ali of Marshall. Two weeks ago, he was on the slate, and he was the misprice of all misprices. He came in at like 80% ownership at $4,800, and he scored 34 fantasy points. Well, guess what? He's not the same misprice this week that he was then, but I think he's still a really solid play. He's going to see probably 17 to 20 carries, and he's going to see some involvement in the passing game as well. This Marshall offense really runs through Rasheen Ali. So while I think that the game environment might not be that great, this game might be a little bit of a slog. I don't mind playing a guy from it that I know is going to touch the ball 20 times and probably score all or most of Marshall's touchdowns. Now, Alabama is an interesting situation because last week I was big on Jace McClellan of Alabama because I thought that they were going to run to help out their backup quarterback, Tyler Buckner. Well, they did, but it wasn't with Jace McClellan. It was with Roydell Williams. And right now, Roydell Williams appears to have taken the lead in this Alabama backfield with 17 carries for 129 yards last week, 23 fantasy points against South Florida for Roydell Williams. And I kind of think that Bama, they're you know, they're looking to kind of hide their quarterback right now. So if they do go with that strategy, it's going to be with a lot of running the football. And so Roydell Williams is going to be a guy that can be getting some of those carries for the Crimson Tide this week. Now, another guy that I really like this week is going to be Kai Robichaux of Boston College. So he is filling in for Pat Garwo. Pat Garwo is the workhorse running back the last two years for Boston College, who is not super efficient, but he gets the ball a lot. And Pat Garwo has been out each of the last two weeks. And in his stead, Robichaux has been pretty solid. He scored over 17 fantasy points in both those games. He's seen over 20 touches in both those games. So if Pat Garwo continues to be out, I don't mind going back to Kai Robichaux. And Louisville is a team that you can have some success running the ball against, which Indiana did this past weekend. So I don't mind the play with Kai Robichaux at $5,200. Now, I will say this week, it's really hard to find value at the running back position. Really, like the guys that I just talked about are like the big time workhorses that you're going to see. We've got a lot of committees in college football right now that is kind of ruining the value of some of these running backs. Like, for instance, UCLA is going to split a lot of carries with Carson Steele and TJ Harden, and I don't like the play for that reason. Um, Miami is splitting carries between like seven guys, and so it's just really hard to get behind a whole lot of these running backs for that reason. One guy that is in a committee that I do want to talk about is Will Shipley of Clemson. 
Clemson. Phil Maffa is going to see some carries, but if this game shoots out, I think Will Shipley is a solid play because he is a guy that's probably going to be seeing more work in the passing game. And if you're playing Kay Klubnik, I think he's actually a sneaky stacking partner because none of these Clemson wide receivers have really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Really, I think it's an offense kind of devoid of playmakers. Like Will Shipley's kind of like been the guy who, you know, he's trusty, he's dependable, but he's not like this big play guy. And, and it kind of worries me with this Clemson offense. I, I really want to see them create some big plays, and I just don't think they have the guys to do it. So how can they offset that? They can get the ball early and often into Will Shipley's hands. Believe it or not, the team that I coach um, in high school football in North Carolina, we were one round of the playoffs away from playing against Will Shipley when he was in high school, and it was like known that like he was that dude and he was going to Clemson. Um, and we lost the playoff game before then, so we didn't get to play him. But, you know, it, it's just kind of cool to see this guy, you know, go from being like a high school sophomore and being that dude to like, you know, now he is trying to be that dude in this Clemson offense. And if you think that he is that dude this week, he's a very solid play at $5,700. All right, that does it for the running back position. If you like what you've seen so far on YouTube, please hit that like button and hit that subscribe button. It really shows me a lot of support and helps me out a lot. And if you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified when all of our weekly golf, NFL, and college football content drops this fall. I'm on a little bit of an odd schedule because I just had a baby two weeks ago, but I'm trying to get these college football episodes out to you guys as efficiently and as regularly as possible. So if you want to see you know previews for some of the other slates this week and in the future, make sure you hit that subscribe button and you'll be notified when new episodes drop. Now let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about the wide receivers. All right, so now let's go ahead and talk about the wide receiver position for this slate. So the first thing that I would always recommend is playing your wide receivers stacked in college football DFS. In other words, playing the same wide receivers from the team that you are playing your quarterbacks from. But, you know, given that there's three wide receiver spots and a flex spot, you're probably going to end up having to play some of these guys unstacked. So we're going to talk about your best options for stacking and playing guys as one-offs here for this 14-game slate. So the first team that we're going to talk about, which is going to be the most important Important situation to monitor as the weekend goes on is Ole Miss. So Ole Miss last week played without Zachary Franklin and without Trey Harris in the lineup. I am anticipating they're going to have Trey Harris for this one. And so far this season, in games that he's played without Zachary Franklin in the lineup, Trey Harris has been really good. He had 46 fantasy points against Mercer, only 13 against Tulane, but he still was able to score a long touchdown in that one. Bama has been very susceptible to the big pass play. We saw it against Texas where they caught two deep, touch, two deep touchdowns against the Bama secondary. So if Trey Harris is active, you got to figure Trey Harris is going to be used to try to get deep and get behind him. If Franklin is active, Zachary Franklin's a really good player coming over from Texas San Antonio. We haven't seen him yet this season, but he you know, is probably going to be pretty productive once he does come back. So I would like Trey Harris a lot less if Zachary Franklin is active. Now, if both of these guys are inactive, then what you saw last week when, you know, both Harris and uh, Franklin missed was Jordan Watkins had a huge game. He had 24.9 fantasy points against Georgia Tech. He will be in the starting lineup even if the other two guys are active. And then you had Dayton Wade, who has been pretty much the fourth target, you know, well, I say that, but really like the third target all season long because Trey Harris has been playing and Zachary Franklin has not been. But he had a big game against Tulane. He was utilizing the game plan against Georgia Tech as well. And Dayton Wade gets scheme touches, meaning he gets the ball to him in bubble screens, jet sweeps, stuff like that. They look to get Dayton Wade the football in his hands. He's a little more expensive than he was last week, but I would not mind going to uh, either Jordan Watkins or Dayton Wade, both stacked and unstacked against this Alabama secondary. Another situation that's worth monitoring, Caden Prescorn. 
Osborne, the tight end transfer from Memphis, might be active this week as well. You got to figure they're going to get him involved um, if they do end up activating him for this game. And look, on the Alabama side, if I'm playing Milrow, I'm probably not playing a receiver with him. If I did, it would probably be Jermaine Burton just because he has the most proven track record. But I, I think he's way too expensive, you know, to be at the price tag where he's at, given his production so far, averaging only 10 fantasy points a game. Now, the one good news is, and I'd say this about DFS a lot, sometimes a bad play becomes a good play when nobody plays him. So if nobody's going to be stacking J1 Milrow, then you might be able to make your lineup a little bit different by stacking J1 Milrow with a guy like Tremaine Burton. But like I said, that, that's it's not for me. I'm probably not going to be doing that. Now, the Colorado-Oregon game we got to mention as well because there are certainly some stacking opportunities here. Travis Hunter, the all-world two-way player, because of that really dirty hit Saturday night, is going to miss this game. And that really opens up a lot of things from a fantasy perspective for the Colorado Buffaloes. Basically, Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weather are going to continue to get theirs. They are both averaging over 20 fantasy points per game. Jimmy Horn's caught over seven balls in every game. Xavier Weaver's caught over six balls in every game. And Xavier Weather's got over 20 fantasy points in every game. So both of those guys have an incredibly high floor. They're going to have a high target share. They're going to get theirs. If you were playing Shadour Sanders and both of them, you're going to have to find some real value elsewhere. You're probably not going to be able to play Bo Nix and, and like double stack that game unless you can really find some cheap running backs and wide receivers. But what I think is going to be a popular strategy this week is to play one of Horn or Weaver. For what it's worth, I would probably play Xavier Weaver. Um, you can go down to the, the two other new receivers that Colorado is going to have, and that's Tavares Dawson, um, who played last week you know, a lot in Travis Hunter's spot. He had five receptions for 60 yards against Colorado State. And then you've also got Michael Harrison as well, um, who's averaging 12 fantasy points a game so far this season. He had a big-time performance against Colorado State, seven for 76 and two touchdowns. So those two guys, the door is going to be open for them to see some um, some extra snaps and extra production with Travis Hunter being out. Now, another thing that I do want to mention, last week was the big Malik Neighbors game in the main slate, right? Like Malik Neighbors of LSU had over 50 fantasy points. If you remember watching my show last week, I mentioned how to this point in the season, Brian Thomas of LSU had out-targeted, out-gained, out-touchdown, you know, touchdown, out-caught, Malik Neighbors in every way, right? But Malik Neighbors came into the season as the number one wideout. And so guess what? Eventually, Malik Neighbors has his number one wideout game, right? I think that that's something that could end up happening a lot in these college football you know, wide receiver rooms where the guy who's supposed to be the number one has his big number one game at some point. And so if you are a believer in that, then Jimmy Horn Jr. was the guy who was supposed to be the number one for Colorado. So even though Xavier Weaver has been more productive so far this season, Jimmy Horn Jr. might carry just a little bit more upside even though he is $100 more expensive on DraftKings. Now, on the Oregon side of things, look, there's only been two guys that have done any amount of damage when Bo Nix has been playing, when the starters have been in. And it's Troy Franklin, who scored over 12 fantasy points in every game. He's their leading touchdown grabber last year. He's their leading re receiving touchdown grabber so far this year. A very solid play. There's also Tez Johnson, who um, has 11 catches, three of which are touchdowns. You know, had a big-time game against Hawaii with 77, catch or 77 receiving yards 
yards and two touchdowns. 77 catches would be wild. So I'm probably not going to play an Oregon receiver outside of those two. Those are really the only two that you can guarantee production from. Because of how much Oregon runs the ball with Bo Nix and with their running backs, I think you can play Bo Nix unstacked. He really does spread the ball around to these guys. So it wouldn't shock me to see like a touchdown for a Treshawn Holden or you know a Chris Hudson if he's active. Like It wouldn't shock me to see one of those guys score a random touchdown, but it, I don't, it's not really what I'm playing guys for to score a random touchdown. I really want them to do a lot more damage than that. Now for Florida State in this projected shootout against Clemson, Keon Coleman could end up having his Malik neighbors game, right? Like he was just not great against Boston College. He was targeted three times and only ended up with 0.2 fantasy points on a rush. Didn't even catch one of his three targets. And so I really think that, you know, you're going to see a bounce back game here from Keon Coleman, especially considering what we saw from him, you know, in the start of the season with that big game, 42 fantasy points against LSU. I think he's just the best receiver FSU has. I think he's better than Johnny Wilson. And so I think you're going to see, you know, more of a Keon Coleman game than a Johnny Wilson game here this week against Clemson. And also do not discount the tight end, um, Jaheim Bell. Um, I think he's a worthwhile option as well um, for Florida State in terms of targeting their receiving game. Clemson, I mentioned it already, but their receivers, I'm really not super duper interested in just because they don't really make a whole lot of plays on the outside. Antonio Williams is the guy in the slot that's going to feature probably the most targets and a very low average depth of targets. So he would be a volume-based play. Bo Collins is the guy that they're going to take deep shots to. Um, and after that, it's just a whole lot of question marks. So uh, those are probably the only two I would consider for Clemson. Like I said, during the running back segment, I would probably stack Will Shipley with Kate Klubnick more so than any of these wide receivers. Now, to me, thinking about unstacked plays, one of the easiest clicks on the entire slate is Jamari Thrash of Louisville. So we mentioned him last week and he came through with a big game. He got priced up a little bit this week to $6,600. And I think he could still give you value from that. He's had, scored over 24 fantasy points in each of his three games so far this season. It's the Jeff Brom offense in Louisville. And if you remember Jeff Brom from when he was at Purdue, back when he had Rondell Moore and David Bell and, and Charlie Jones, like he would just feed one wide receiver. Well, Jamari Thrash is the receiver that he's feeding this year at Louisville. And I really like his upside. I really like his big play ability, like not enough can be said about how good Jamari Thrash has been for Louisville so far this season. And he's a really easy click, even at the price tag is $6,600. Now, another guy who is an interesting play to me for Miami is Xavier Estrepo. So he's kind of like the Malik Neighbors type of guy that you know would fit that description where he came into the season as the Hurricanes' number one wideout. And he's actually had the biggest target share so far cumulatively this season out of all the Miami Hurricanes. He just hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Game one, five for 68. Game two, six for 126. Game three, six for 120. 17 catches, over 300 yards, no touchdowns for Xavier Estrepo. I got to think that that streak is going to stop at some point. And if he continues to catch five or six passes and gain at least 60, yards every game. When he does score a touchdown, it's going to come with a big point total. And so I am willing to buy the touchdown regression on Xavier Estrepo for Miami. I don't mind playing him stacked with Tyler Van Dyke or unstacked. He is the Miami wide receiver that I would want, even though Colby Young and Jackson George or Jacoby George, excuse me, are both going to be parts of the game plan as well. Now, after that, 
Oklahoma has been a situation that a lot of people have been looking at, especially with Dylan Gabriel being as prolific as he has. And, you know, Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops have had their moments. Gavin Freeman's even had his moments. But the guy that I want to target from Oklahoma is going to be Andrell Anthony. He leads the team in receptions so far with 14 and 254 yards through three games is a pretty solid total. He's only found the end zone once. He leads the team in receiving yards, y'all. Like, and he just hasn't really scored a whole lot of touchdowns. So if he continues to do the damage with the yards, the touchdowns are going to come. And he's at a very affordable price tag at only $5,300. Now, we got to find some value plays here in this slate, especially if we want to spend up at quarterback like playing Bo Nix or Shadour Sanders or Jordan Travis or somebody like that. So how can we find some value plays? Well, there are a few of them that I want to talk about. First of which is on Texas Tech, and it is Miles Price, averaging 14 fancy points a game so far this season. And he's scored a touchdown in every game so far this season. For whatever reason, when they get close to the red zone, Miles Price is the guy that Tyler Shuck is looking for. I'm fine playing him stacked or unstacked just because I think he is by far the most likely Texas Tech Red Raider to score a touchdown. Jerram Bradley has been their number one and gained the biggest target share, but Miles Price has been the red zone guy, and I don't mind going to him for that reason. After those two, the rest of that receiving core is kind of a mess, though. Now, for Marshall... You know, as ugly as this game might be, they've got some guys that might be worth going to from a value standpoint. You know, Montgomery, McMillan, and Conley are the three guys that have been the primary pass catchers so far. Uh, Chuck Montgomery was not great last game against ECU, but he did throw for a 75-yard touchdown, which kind of redeemed his day after having a big week in week one. And then you've got uh, Chance McMillan, or Caleb McMillan, excuse me, who did have the big catch, you know, in week two against ECU with that 75-yard touchdown. That was thrown um, by Montgomery. And, you know, that kind of elevated his day a little bit. And then there's the tight end, Cade Conley, who actually leads the team in targets so far this season. So I I don't mind going with either of those three guys if you're looking to spare some salary just as one-offs and just hoping that they find the end zone, that there's worse strategies you can have other than that. Now, Rutgers has a starter who is currently at the minimum price on DraftKings, and that is uh, Jaquay Jackson down here at $3,000. He's caught five passes for 99 yards so far this season, had four for 95 against Temple. Um, He does start. He is at the stone minimum price. He's going up against Michigan, so it's not a great matchup. But if you're looking for a guy who might be able to give you just a little bit of value at a super cheap price tag, he might be a guy you can look for. But my favorite value plays on the slate are going to be two guys who are actually on the same team, and that is the Boston College Eagles. They've got two guys that I think are in really good spots for DFS. The first is Ryan O'Keefe, the UCF transfer who has led this team in targets so far. Much like what we've said about some of these other guys so far in this segment, he only has one touchdown and it was rushing. He hasn't caught a touchdown yet. He's caught 15 passes, average of 40 yards a game, and he hasn't caught a touchdown yet. I think it's only a matter of time before he ends up in the end zone. The guy who has been grabbing those touchdowns and been really productive in doing so is Lewis Bont. Uh, you know, 12 receptions for 175 yards and two touchdowns so far this season. Double-digit fantasy points in every game, and he's only $3,900 on DraftKings. I think he is going to be a very popular and very like reasonable value play at the wide receiver position here on this DraftKings slate. Now, I will say I did not find any like super obvious misprices with the receivers like there was last week. Um, maybe if I keep digging, you know, 
it's still Tuesday. Maybe if I keep digging before Saturday, then maybe I'll be able to find some. But that's going to do it here for this preview, guys. So if you want more from me, remember, you can hit me up on X at Mike's Money Picks. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube. And then my full slate article is available on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you are trying something new, use my site, signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks to get the best offers and promo codes available. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. Hopefully, I was able to give you guys some information on how to, you know, win some money here on this college football DFS slate, whether you're playing, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, cash games, or GPPs. Hopefully, I was able to give you the goods and, and help you guys find the right plays this week. If you like what you saw, please hit the subscribe button so you'll be notified when all the new content drops and hit the like button on YouTube. It shows me a lot of support, helps the videos get noticed, and I really do appreciate it. If you're listening on audio form, you can subscribe to the audio feed as well. And you can also rate and review, which helps me out a lot. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. I will be back later on the week to talk Live Chicago and this week's NFL slate. Maybe, just maybe, I'll have time to do one of the other college football slates as well. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Best of luck to you this week, and I will see you next time.